Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Hey folks, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers. Having talked with Alan Chen of freecashflow.io, our guest for today, last time we talked about free cash flow and working capital and what that is and why it matters. We're going to talk today a little bit more about the sales and income tax side of things. Now, sales tax is only relevant to those who are selling in the US, but tax planning generally is relevant to every single Amazon or e-commerce operator. So I think you're going to get a lot out of this, even if you don't sell in the US. But if you do, and I don't mean just based in the US, if you're like myself, UK based, but have, have sold in the US or are selling in the US, then the sales tax thing is not something you can avoid, even though you're, you know, 3000 miles away plus, it's still going to affect you and your business. So you need to educate yourself about it. And Alan's a great person to take us through the quite sort of high level overview of the subject, but some good tax planning principles that apply to anyone in any jurisdiction. So enjoy the show and do take notes as ever. If you want notes, go to 10kcollective.com and look out for the podcast notes for this show. So tell me about sales tax planning in general. What, what are the sort of main principles we need to think about here? Yeah, so I know sales tax is very much of a of a central U.S. topic, but for a lot of U.S. sellers out there, it's, it's something you can't escape from, right? So sales tax, unfortunately, in the current climate and because of the court case of South Dakota Rose Wayfair, it's going to affect all online businesses that operate in the U.S. now. And what it is, is basically because you sell in a certain state, right? You have customer concentration in a certain state. You're responsible for remitting sales tax to the, the state government. And percentages are different. Unfortunately, there's no unified federal state, uh, I'm sorry, federal sales tax percentage you can depend on. You literally have to go state by state and look at the sales tax rate and figure out what that is. And Michael, to take it a step further, not only are you looking at state sales tax, there's also local, county, city, and other jurisdictions among the state where they want a little piece of that of that sales that you're making. So you got to take that, combine it by the, uh, the local tax rate, and that's how much money you know you got to remit to the government for your sales tax. So an Amazon business, I would say that's you know what any any kind of online business doing you know six, seven, eight figures. This is kind of like the point where you start thinking about it, especially if you're seven figures and plus. In that, because you probably have enough of a concentration of customers that you're selling in a state. So let's just take Florida for example, right? Florida has a sales tax threshold of 100,000 or 200 transactions, meaning that if you have $100,000 sales that have been made to the state of Florida, meaning you ship $100,000 product to the state of Florida, they're expecting you to reg first register for a sales tax permit. That's how you legally are able to uh, collect sales tax. And then two, they're expecting you to do possibly quarterly sales tax filings where you take um, how much sales you have made in that state and then report it and then say, hey, we need we need the X percentage that you have collected of that in, of that income from these customers. And it's it's just a, a topic that's you can you can tell it's gonna be very <laughs> not just very, I would even say annoying, right? Because you're you're not doing this on a federal level, you're doing it on a state by state level. And there's 50 states in the US, and I think 45 of them require sales tax um remitting. So you can you can tell why that's a such a headache. And we get we get DC this question all the time in forums of 
hey, how do I do sales tax for a certain state? What do I do here? And I'm living in this state. What do I do? And and the, and the unfortunate fact is right now in the current state that it doesn't matter where you live, right? It used to be you, you had to be physically connected to that state, right? Physically living in that state or physically have a warehouse or have a have a fulfillment center in that state. That's, that's called physical nexus. Now is what they call economic nexus. So as long as you have enough of a concentration of sales in a state, well, Michael, you're 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 me obligated to pay <laughs> to pay for those states too that you that you have a high sales in. And a lot of our clients are are facing that issue right now. And then that's oh, that's part of what we're trying to help them solve and alleviate from, yeah, from their list scary. of problems that they have in their business. It's a scary thing to try and deal with on your own, isn't it? So I guess one obvious question is when do you need to reach out for professional help? Is it possible to DIY this stuff? And by the way, let, let's focus in on those who primarily sell on Amazon for the moment, just to simplify this, sure. it's so complex. Most of those have what I understand to be marketplace agreements, which is to say that the state makes the marketplace. In this case, Amazon could be eBay, could be Walmart.com, responsible for the collection and submission of sales tax, right? I mean, do we have any obligations if we're in a state like that as individual e-commerce operators? Or can we yeah, just leave so, Amazon to take care of it? Yeah, Am- Amazon has has advantage in there in that they do have that marketplace facility agreement, as you mentioned, Michael, in that, you know, other places like Shopify, they think they have the same agreement as Amazon, but they actually don't. So they get they get into more, I'll say, in the trouble zone of sales tax, where, you know, if you do have if you if Amazon are taking care of it, what you really want to do is just making sure that they're they're doing the right numbers for you. Right. And and and, and also your, your other point about is there a way you can manage it yourself? Yeah, there, there are, you know, sales tax automation software out there Two to make a name for you guys is a uh, tax jar and Avalara. They're basically a way for you to feed over your Amazon or Shopify uh, sales data and your customer listing. And then they will help you allocate and separate things into buckets. And then, of course, you then you can use their service to help help your sales tax needs, right? Which which is also great. N- nothing nothing against those services. I would just say you may also still want a professional to look over whatever they're doing because you don't understand it, right? You don't know if you're they're, they're remitting the right amount for you. You don't know if you're overpaying. And then speaking of overpaying, one thing that they're not going to help you do is, of course, sales tax planning. What I mean by sales tax planning is, as you can see. All these states have different thresholds that you have to meet, right? Some states are 100,000, some 250, some 500. And when you're doing sales equity software, they're not actually looking to do any planning for you. They're just making sure you're compliant, right? To do actual sales tax planning is you kind of look ahead and say, I think I'm selling around $80,000 to the state. Let's call it a obscene state, say it's Wyoming, right? And then you're just saying, should, should I actually keep selling to the state or should I stop? And, w- and w- why is that advantage is because maybe if that state has a hundred thousand threshold and you can say, Hey, I'm telling my client, Hey, you're in November. Maybe it's better for you to point your advertisement to the other states and stop selling Wyoming. Because once you hit that hundred thousand, that's when you need to register. But if you don't hit it, even if you had 99,999, you're not obligated to pay sales tax to Wyoming anymore. And that's a, that's a seven to 10% saving right, on your sales tax percentage that you're not having to pay out because you're right under that cusp, right? And that's mm-hmm. something software uh, where Amazon is not going to look out for you to do. But yeah. if you have a professional, they can say, hey, this is the point where you may need to focus your sales strategy on some other states because you've already crossed the threshold there. You're going to be paying California anyway, for example, right? So you might as well just keep selling California, but maybe leave some other, other states alone and really save that money. That's best money going back into your pocket. So, I mean, it strikes me there's a few big differences that start to kick in once you're looking at sales tax. And I've really been quite so clear about this until we've spoken about this today. But the marketplace facilitator thing means that Amazon 
does help us avoid a lot of these problems, but not all of them. I guess sure. one, and also, but the flip side is we don't have any control where Amazon's going to sell our inventory, yeah. which which states. So obviously, we can't really control that once you're in the shopify world and i guess you can do geo-targeted google ads for example then you could d decide that you're not going to target anywhere you know selling all the stuff in la anymore because you're just about to hit the sales threshold there or right. maybe yeah. you're over that threshold in california you just say well okay let's just sell really aggressively to la because they're buying our stuff but you avoid florida so i guess once you've got your own um thing you, you need to have a lot more you got more control, but then you need to take control as well. So I guess that's when having somebody, it strikes me as a little bit like having an expert tennis coach or something. Like, you know, you want to get the ball just inside the line, not out because that's a penalty, or in our case, it'd be a fine or a legal issue, but not just miles inside where you're wasting um, potential where you could sell tax-free. So yeah, that sounds like really something very necessary when you, when you point out, you know, the difference between selling $99,000 in, in Florida and 100000 What's the kind of tax difference? If I sold $99,000 worth of stuff in Florida or 100000 what what difference would that make? That The difference is literally, Michael, if you have to pay sales tax or not to okay. the state of Florida. Yeah. And that would be, what, 10%, 20%? I mean, I know it's going to vary it's, a huge amount. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I don't want to give an exact number because, like <laughs> I said, it's sales tax is just okay. it's so nuanced because it's not just a state rate. You have you have to actually dig down to the local city zip code of that exact customer and where his, the shipping address is. And that can wow. trigger other little rates to add up to the just state sales tax rate. That's that's the complication there, right? So and, and yeah, the difference is literally do you're paying sales tax to the state of Florida or you don't have to. Yeah. That's that's the that's the huge difference. It is and it's at seven to ten percent of the of your total sales to that state. Yeah. Plus presumably yeah. the cost of submitting all the forms and, and registering. Yeah, and and, and, and do. doing all the work, right? That's so you yeah. if you think of it a hundred thousand, that's like seven to ten thousand, right? Seven to ten percent. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to go too deep into that particular geographically based thing because for the majority of listeners, probably more focused on Amazon, at least in my mind, do get in touch, guys, or comment if you do sell on Shopify to the level where this is hitting you. But nevertheless, worth having somebody on your, your side. So then the, the final area, and these are huge topic areas, right? We could dig very deep for a long time into any of these, but just skimming the surface, income tax. Now, obviously, income tax is... a Again, everything in America is complicated because of the federal versus state <laughs> thing. But yeah, let's, let's try and zoom out a little bit so that we get some general ideas about income tax management as in corporate tax on a corporation, I guess, that are applicable as widely as possible. What are the basic things to look out for there and the sort of strategies that you would guide your clients through? Yeah, I think income tax is one of those topics where, again, it's not sexy. It's not something that, people, that most e-com or you know, Amazon or Shopify owners want to talk about and want to you know, actively think. I think a lot of the time they, they just actively avoid it, right? But the thing is, income tax is a topic you you guys really do need to kind of pay attention to because it's it's, it's one of those areas where it's what, what they call leaky, right? It's a way where you can kind of like give money away that's just so unknown to you because you're not familiar with that world. Like you guys maybe have become, you know, you guys are experts on Amazon now. You, you got your paid ads down. You know how to get the, at the lowest price of your inventory. But if you don't do sales, if you don't do tax planning in general, you're actually giving away some of that hard earned money that you make to the US government or to a, really any government, really, right? UK, I'm sure they have obligation over there too. And, and the thing is, if you don't do tax planning, I, I see businesses, you know, that we help who, are, who just, you know, hire a tax account to really, you know, and, and when you're doing talking about tax, it's just, it's just a bunch of forms. You fill out these forms and, and, and at the end of the form, they tell you, hey, you got to pay this. And that's like normally okay. 
if you're just individual, you know, who don't have a lot of deduction, but for businesses out there who are doing seven figures plus people who even mid six figures, they have a lot of, I would say deductions, business deductions that they're not capturing credits that they made available to small business to, because the government wants to incentivize small business to keep growing that they're not, they're not getting. And because you're not getting these things, you're thinking that you have say a, you know, $70,000 tax bill. When if you do are able to apply the deductions and credit, you maybe reduce that to 30 or 40 or even lower, right? And that difference and gap, that's that's savings you get. And, and some people think this is magic or voodoo when you know you're like, I'm I'm not supposed to pay this much. No, this as that's one of the great things about being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, and that you're you're afforded so much more, I would say, leeway or gap in the amount of business deduction that's available to your business. Because there's a lot of things that can be related to your business. I'm, I'm just gonna name a few here. For example, if you're running a business full time, you should be really deducting your business travel, right? Any any kind of travel that you do for your business, like you're going to a conference, say you're sending like handling like an Amazon FBA conference, right? Or ClickFunnel conference. That's something that's deductible and you should include. If you're um, meeting anyone, your supplier, if you're conducting business, your your meals should be deductible. Some people don't don't know that, right? If you're actually a lot of time where we, we don't have an actual office, we just run our business in a home office. There's a home office deduction that's quite significant for business owners that they should actually be looking at. Where if they're only um, if they're if they're not looking at that, you know, we want for one of our clients, we would get them back twelve thousand dollars more in a tax deduction. Because they were able to deduct, say, their like the rent, mortgage, utilities, uh, repair, maintenance they done around their home office, and they would take that deduction. So there's just many, many more things like that where they they need to look at and say, am I doing the best job I can to manage this part of my business, this tax planning part of business, versus am I just kind of giving money away to the government because I decided not to pay attention to this? I decided that I have made enough money, right? Where I don't need another. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't feel like anyone really say that, but I I, I see clients tell me that like i'm like i ask them hey why don't you do more tax money like i make enough i make enough money it's fine I'm like you 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 don't want another thirty thousand dollars in profit yeah you don't wait it's so you rather you rather drive this i don't know lower model ferrari and not get the high-end ferrari for example if you're not thirty thousand right i don't know i just i don't even doing ferrari around but i know a lot of business owners are more responsible with their money and they probably want to take that and reinvest it like in real estate well any other things they want to do with it really to help help their family out right i would say what's strange about it is this that i mean i i don't have a problem with somebody not genuinely not caring about money i i know i don't think i know anybody who's actually like that i know some Buddhist <laughs> monks and not well but who probably the least interested in money of anyone i know and enough is really like a literally a religious conviction for them or, or in fact i know some some christian monks the same idea but christian i don't monks. think any business owner <laughs> works that way because otherwise if you're obsessing about can i grow my revenue thirty thousand dollars this year more than last year which every every single amazon seller i've ever met really really wants without any exception in my opinion <laughs> maybe the odd freak who doesn't want to grow the business why would you not care about saving thirty thousand in your profit it's just a weird idea isn't it I, I guess there's a mentality shift that needs to happen which is i'm going through just listen to you now i'm like Thirty thousand from seventy thousand tax bill is just just a monster saving. How come that's even legal? And I guess the answer is because you you need to understand the tax law. And I guess you guys do, and I don't. And that's that's extraordinary to me. That level of difference. I would assume that a good accountant would save you ten, fifteen, twenty percent of the tax, but you're saving like you know 
monster amount. How is that even possible? It's kind of a dumb question, but it's, I've got to ask. It's, it's, it's crazy, and it's something we, we've been trying to actively, you know, educate anyone that you know interacts with us to do. Like, you know, we get a lot of DMs from a lot of beginners that that sees us, that sees our post maybe on Facebook or something, and say they don't interact. And we 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 try to help them try to understand that. It's possible because the tax code in IRS uh, is just <laughs> thousands of pages of small fine prints that you have to read through, right? And we're, we're not we're not claiming that we know all thousand pages, and that's kind of part of the reason why we just focus on online business because the tax code is massive. And if you just go to a generalist, right, where they do all type of business, they do the brick and mortar, they do the you know they they help tax firms do their business, they help a law firm do their business, do their taxes. They don't they don't actually actually know all thousand page well like that tens of thousand pages of the tax code they also just applying very general tax knowledge to everything and they're just sprinkling it and that's usually not the way you want to approach your tax code you want someone who focuses strictly on your type of niche your type of business and then knows deeply into the tax saving you can get for your business and with that we have seen you know well clients be very surprised and happy, obviously, that when we, when we presented them at, at the end of the year or during the quarterly meetings, that they're getting much more tax saving than they than they believe. And you know, we also send them what we call tax recommendation reports. Like, like these are the things you start doing to you know at the end of year or during the quarters to increase your tax savings, so that at the end of the day you don't owe as much, right? And, and I would say that's that's kind of like the, the the what we tell them is that when you don't owe as much. In a way, that's tax tax saving, right? If you if you thought you had a seventy thousand tax bill, now you have a thirty thousand tax bill. Well, that difference is money you don't have to pay out to the government for no for and for a, a I, I think and also think Michael, it's also a knowledge gap, right? A lot of people are not born to be to know accounting or no no finance day, but it's very good entrepreneurs. They're very good at running their business, and they should keep doing that. I, I'm just here saying, you guys, and like if you if you're like me, who you know when, when I did shop over last year, I was like, oh man, this is tough. I'm like staying up sometimes at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., talking to customers or figuring out like these sh- for my fulfillment and stuff. I'm like, this is hard work. And I can't imagine, you know, uh, how you, you, if you scale it's like seven, eight figures, how, how much crazier it is of how much work you have to do. And if you're going to be doing those numbers and if you can making that money and you're, you're, you're taking the risk to be an entrepreneur, don't give away your hard earned money, right? Like don't, don't give away what you put all these hours into, into building this brand and then just hand it over to Uncle Sam over there and say, here you go. Here's $70,000, free money for you. Go Absol- go and support yeah. the, uh, give more vaccine out to people. Absolutely. <laughs> so the, the, the UK equivalent, I think there's some judge years ago, law lord, as we used to call it here. It's basically the equivalent before the Supreme Court existed in the UK. We have one now. We've copied oh. the Americans. But he said something like tax evasion is obviously illegal, but tax avoidance is perfectly legal. Not only that is not merely legal, but could good practice to pay as little tax as you can. And he was an expert in the law of enforcing tax. So even he said this, like go basically he was saying pay as little tax as you're legally allowed to. He was he's basically I don't know. It's a very British kind of eccentric thing for a tax person to say. He probably shouldn't be advertising that, but he did. He said you should be trying to pay as little tax as you can. Caveat. He's absolutely right. Legally. 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 The, the legally word. Yes. So Great obviously word. You, you've given a good flavor of what it is you do for your clients, but we've got a couple of different options for people who people are doing under 300,000 revenue a year or based outside the US. And then a discovery call for those who are doing over 300,000 and based in the US, which may be some listeners as well. So just talk us through what's on offer for, for the listeners. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, Michael, like I was mentioning, we do get a lot of DMs from from folks that are just like starting out or haven't done a lot of m- money yet, but could grow to a big number. And we would love to to help everyone, right? But of course, everyone's time is limited. So what we did was we actually spent three months putting together a course without you know twenty years plus of knowledge. Me and my partner Stanford, and it's called Tax Free Ecom: Hyperdrive Your After Tax Profit. And the point of this course is basically to give you that foundation that you were missing, you know, across sales tax, across tax planning, across knowing all the IRS lingos, right? So you don't get lost in it. And then of course, knowing how to get all the deductions that you didn't know about and how to keep the money you have and grow it and the cash flow projection you need to be doing. And of course, also retirement planning. We even throw that in for those people who are trying to exit and do valuation for their business. And I think it's just a great, a great tool if, if they um, go and watch this course to to kind of know that, you know, they will not it'll be in a good spot going forward, right? It's kind of a step before you actually need professional help. Usually, if you're just starting out, you're only making 50 to 100,000 or even like 200,000, you don't actually need professional help because it doesn't make enough of a difference. I would say after you do make, you know, 300K or above, you may want to get on a, a call with a CPAs prefer and you want to kind of just lay down your business and say, hey, what can you help me with? What do you see in my business? And that's kind of what we do is we, we get on a discovery call with them and then we kind of, you know, ask to sign NDA to protect everyone to make sure we don't, we, we have officially doing not to anyway, but just to give them extra peace of mind. We sign NDA with them and say, hey, let, let us look at what, what you guys are doing, your books, your finances, and we'll give you just some, you know, really just complimentary pointers of how your business is running, how is it going? And we, we, at that point, they can evaluate themselves. Do I need to go and get actual professional help where they want to keep handling themselves. We leave, leave that part up to them. So we kind of give two options for people who are just starting out and who are more established and actually need the professional support behind them. And that's what, what we're really all about, right? We we provide that, I would say, year-round support, right? We're kind of just there in the background. It's like, hey, I need to call upon my my, my CPA or my your, your outsourced CFO office, if you will, to to give you the, the right guidance and point me in the right direction so I can just really just keep going my business and taking it to the moon. Excellent. So a couple of things, the the links, folks, for the course, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash free cash. We're not giving away free cash. I guess I could call it free cash flow, but the thing is people <laughs> won't remember it. So that, amazingfba.com. That might make it more, more enticing when I click on it. Like, yeah, it would, wouldn't like it? But that's cash. not what's on often, folks. We're not getting literal dollars <laughs> yet, but you'll get it paid back from educating yourself. Amazingfba.com forward slash free cash. And then the discovery call, if you're doing $300,000 a year or upwards and you're based in the US, I think it needs to be, isn't it? That you go to freecashflow.io forward slash book. So those are the ones if you listen to the podcast. Obviously, you can check out the show notes at 10kcollective.com as well if, if you've lost track of the URLs. The the other thing I just want to say is this, that I was speaking to a business broker, actually, you know, it was a business acquirer, somebody who works for one of the biggest business acquirers out there in the FBA space. And he said, look, one of the most important things you can do is get a fractional CFO. In other words, a a person you don't employ for a time because you couldn't afford it, but a really great person like you guys to be your or fractional financial director of in the UK and actually really take the responsibility to and the expertise to look at things through this kind of lens because the amount of difference it makes to your business is startling. If you add $30,000 to your profit, bottom line, then that's going to really affect also, I mean, tax planning strictly doesn't affect business value in the sense that they take the pre-tax profit as the multiple, the number to multiply. But if you've got more cash in your account this year, next year, and the following year, when you come to sell your business, not only are you going to have more cash in your account, but you're going to actually multiply that by three or four, whatever the multiple is you sell it for. So the future value 
of great input now, when you really do the numbers on that, can be astoundingly high. So I would just beg everyone out there, if you don't have an accountant, for goodness sake, get one. And if you don't have a fractional CFO and you're doing over $300,000, then really do check this sort of thing out because I think it's absolutely, I cannot stress enough how big the difference is between businesses that have this and that don't because I, I I hear both sides of this equation from the businesses that are falling apart. I see the ones that are killing it and this is part of the picture. So, Alan, fantastic, fantastic wisdom today. The last question for you is simply, what is what question should I have asked you? <laughs> what could, could I, I mean, you no, know, I think I think Michael, honestly, you cover a great range of of topics already in, the, in this podcast episode in life. And I mean, the only thing I, w- I just want to add is, you know, if anyone is kind of getting serious about their business and interested in these topics, is definitely do reach out to someone who's you know an expert in, in this field and just ask them a couple of questions. Most of them are really uh, i mean i hope hopefully most of them are really nice and just we'll, we'll just shoot you over some you know some things you really should be looking at just on a, on a very high you know big picture level right some things that you may not even be thinking about and and having that knowledge base about you should just kind of just think think about and you it'll make you point you in the right direction even right and i think i think knowledge is just 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 crucial just this key in this and that just knowing it it's just you just know the right question, right? Even this part of the course, when, when we have our, some of our students, they say, yeah, like, I, I don't actually want to do accounting. I don't actually want to do tax myself. But just knowing it means that, you know, when they go and interview a CPA, they ask the right question. Hey, are you certified? Hey, do you understand online business lingo? Do you know what PPC is? Do you know how Amazon FBA business works? Do you know about the storage fees and the, the payout, the payout t- timetable, right? And just have, have, have you know, the right things to even ask We'll make sure you hire the right people for your team, right? Knowing that yeah. you're not going to bring in someone that just going to do a shoddy job and not really take care of your things. And and to address your other point, Michael, we actually kind of went down that line of a business that came to us, approaching us, saying, "Hey, I'm running a really big business. I'm about. I have the, all these guys coming after me, like, you're, like who want to buy my business, who want to value my business." And then I asked them, "Okay, great. Can I see your balance sheet? Can I see an income statement?" They're like, "What is that?" <laughs> like I, I don't yeah. know any responsible, I would say VC guy that would buy a business without knowing that they have some sort of balance sheet or income statement. I, I don't, I can't see anyone doing that, right? Yeah. So I, I, they, this person was obviously not ready, and he was, he was in kind of like a little bit of denial mode. <laughs> but then, but then I, when I approached him to ask, he say, "You probably need these things." He kind of like, "No, no, I don't. I, I can sell this business just fine." And, and as far as far as I know, I don't think he has sold his business yet. <laughs> I, I I check I check his registration; it's still under him. I'm like, "Yeah, I, he needs these things in place." Like, no no sane VC is going to buy a business where the business owner does not understand his own numbers, 100%. doesn't understand doesn't understand yeah. his forecasting, doesn't understand his how how the business is going to go. Right? No, no, you got to be crazy, or you just have a lot of money to burn. Right, yeah. like SoftBank or something, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to do that. To be honest, I, I've spoken to. I, mean, I, I am not a, a business buyer or broker, but I've spoken to must be about I don't know twelve or something. Most of them in the last few months, and yeah, every single person wants clean financials, bar nobody. I mean, yeah, there is nobody I've ever spoken to who's a serious business buyer or broker. Yeah, so you're 100 <laughs> percent right. So yeah, if if that's you. Maybe you need to get in touch with Alan and, and get yourself sorted. But meantime, it just remains for me to say, Alan, great topics. You've really given us a lot to think about. Really great, clear discussion about working capital. One of my big sort of things to discuss to answer the question, how much money do we need to grow our business to the point where it's going to be what we really want it to be? And uh, great advice on the sales and, and tax planning generally. So just remains for me to say big, big thank you for coming on the show. 
Yeah, definitely. hundred percent, Michael. And I'm happy to share and happy to share this knowledge with the folks. And hopefully they were able to take some that away for them and, you know, really use it to grow the business and gain the knowledge to ask the right questions to the accountant, right? Hopefully to hire the right one. Great stuff. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found this show helpful. We've run interactive small group masterminds for six and seven figure Amazon sellers since September 2017. Members report things like I couldn't have done it without you and find each other a great resource, particularly in challenging times. Our biggest seller to date has broken through the eight figures a year mark in 2020. Members of the 10K Collective Mastermind are not newcomers. They sell private label or custom products on Amazon and they make a minimum of about $350,000 a year or £300,000 a year in revenue. In most cases, much higher than that. We're currently running both online and offline versions of the Mastermind. To find out more about that, go to www.theamazonmastermind.com. That's theamazonmastermind.com. Thank you very much for listening to the show.